Hello, this is Eric freaking Balfour from Sci-Fi's Haven, and you are listening to TV Times 3 Podcast. We sit glued to the TV set all night, and every night, why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of... Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 155. On this episode, we have a few news items, and then we will be talking about our visits to the set's of Sci-Fi's Defiance and Warehouse 13, and then recent episodes of Revolution, Arrow, The Walking Dead, and 666 Park Avenue. And then we will end the show with some TV on DVD picks. You can find the full show notes with time codes for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 155. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Kyle Nolan from net. And Melissa from com. Well, thank you both for uh, joining me on the podcast this week. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Thanks for being had, as they say. (laughs) And uh, we'll have links and uh, stuff in the show notes where you can uh, find them online on the the Twitters and the websites, etc. And uh, we'll jump into the news, which uh, we've got a... A few different uh, things that have been picked up or canceled here over the last couple weeks since our last episode. Starting with ABC uh, has decided to end private practice uh, at the end of this season, which will be its sixth. Uh, that'll be they decided not to give it the back nine, so it'll just be the thirteen episodes. Uh, BBC America has renewed Copper for a second season. Uh, CBS has canceled Made in Jersey and picked up. Uh, as of today, actually, uh, Elementary and Vegas for full seasons. Uh, the CW has picked up Arrow for a full season and renewed America's Next Top Model for a 20th cycle. Fox has renewed The X Factor for a third season and Bob's Burgers for a fourth. I'm sure Amory will be really happy with that second one. I'm happy about that, too. <laughs> uh, NBC has canceled uh, Animal Practice, uh, but it'll continue to run for the next uh, few weeks until November 2nd when Whitney will uh, premiere and still no uh, premiere date for Community which was going to be Whitney's companion on Fridays and uh, Showtime has renewed Homeland for a third season and USA Woo-hoo. Network has renewed Suits for a third season that's a lot of stuff any of those uh, Melissa that you're uh, happy to see uh, coming back I am absolutely thrilled about Arrow. Um, That was my surprise of this TV season. And I just, I've been so impressed with with the episodes, with the balance, like between the darker and the witty dialogue. So if any series was worthy of a full season pickup, it was that one this season. And I'm super excited that there's going to be more Homeland. This season has been unbelievable. So I can't wait to see more of that. So those would be the two I'm I'm most excited about. What about you, Kyle? I definitely agree about Homeland. I think the season's been great. Um, and then also Elementary, I was glad to see that picked up. I've been enjoying that. And uh, like you said, Amory will be happy, and I'm happy about Bob's Burgers. I think that's that show is just hilarious. Totally not surprising that, that CW would pick up Arrow. It's the, uh, it's the show that proves that people know where the CW is on their TV dial, uh, which... I've been, which I occasionally question because I've actually had people say, what, what channel is that on? And you're like, it's the CW. And they're like, what's that? 
So for four plus million people to actually watch a show on the CW, that's like huge. It did so well on its Canadian network. Um, we have CTV and CTV2, and CTV is kind of like the equivalent of, say, like your ABC or your NBC, and CTV2 would be like a smaller network affiliated with it. Well, they started Arrow off on CTV2, but the ratings have been so high that as of this week, it's bumped to the main network. So it would be like bumping it from the CW to CBS. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that that's probably a good a good way to put it. And then as for the the rest of them, I'm definitely uh, happy to see both Homeland and Suits get a, a third seasons. Homeland has been every episode this season has been like just outstanding and moving at a much faster pace than I thought this season would go at. I mean, based on how they ended up ending the first season, you kind of knew what this season was going to be about, you know, but everything is coming like much faster than I would have anticipated it coming, which has been definitely compared to the first season. I mean, the first season, it was one event that took the whole season and now it's just like rapid fire, like shocker after shocker. Well, you thought like, you know, like the video was still out there and stuff like that, that sooner or later he would be, you know, found out. And then, but that happens in the second episode. And then like, you're like, okay, well now they're going to surveil him for a while and there's going to be some cat and mouse. And that takes place for like a couple episodes. <laughs> and, then, and then they're off to a, a, a new one. So they've really been uh, moving along. All right. So uh, uh, that's the, uh, that's the news portion of the podcast for this week. And we'll move on to uh we all attended the Sci-Fi Digital Press Tour 2012, uh, which uh, took place up in uh, Toronto, Canada, which I basically saw the hotel and the sets and, and like... And the airport. And the airport, yeah. <laughs> that was the, the gist of my trip to uh, Toronto. I, but uh, so it started out... Uh, on the Sunday night with a, a sort of a, a get-together welcome dinner, you know, drinks and stuff. And they had the cast of uh, Haven and Being Human uh, there to uh, mingle about with. Melissa, unfortunately, couldn't make it to the dinner. Yeah, I'm still crying <laughs> over that one. <laughs> Although you were at uh, New York Comic Con, so, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I got to I got to start my day off with Stephen Amell, so that I guess that's a that's a good compromise. And uh, so, uh, what did you, Kyle? This was sort of your first uh, big set visit type thing. Uh, what did you think of uh, the, you know the dinner and the access to the to the talent from the shows and stuff like that? I thought it was I thought it was really great. I mean, they were. Um... They were basically walking around the different the actors to different groups of people to try to get them to to see everyone while we were mingling at the cocktail hour and then for the dinner time we actually had um well my mind just oh uh Balfour, Eric Balfour at our table. Yeah, we, so uh, we, we had dinner with Eric freaking Balfour. Jealous. <laughs> he was so ordering he was ordering shots for the table and, and trying to get everyone to drink. So that was uh, amusing and fun. 
and I mean, it was just nice to to basically talk to to these actors just as regular people, like not. It wasn't all about uh, their shows and what they were doing. They were just would talk about anything. Yeah, Eric, Eric Balfour was talking a little politics. He was talking about his, you know, production company and and uh, all kinds of stuff. In addition to a little bit about, you know, about Haven. And then uh, you know the 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 dinner was the dinner was really good. I that they had uh, probably like eight tables, seven tables or so, and they they made sure that there was at least one person from one of the shows at each table. You know, so there was like groups of uh, seven of us at a table with one of the actors from the show, and like Kyle said, we were at the same table with uh, Eric Balfour, and. Uh, the the only thing I wish is I wish they would have turned could, we could have got them to turn the music down just a little bit. It was so loud that I couldn't even hear people that were sitting right next to me half the time, let alone people on the other side of the table. And you felt like you were gonna try and you were, you were gonna be one of those cliche scenes out of a out of a TV show or a movie where you were gonna be yelling across the table at the exact <laughs> time that they did turn off the music. Uh, for to make an announcement or something like that, and then you'd be like screaming something across the table at Eric Balfour, which wouldn't have been embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. There was no way I was going to hear the people on the complete other side of the table. Like I could just, like basically, I was two people down from Eric Balfour, and I could just make out what he was saying. But beyond him, I couldn't hear conversations at the table. Yeah. Daniel from the TV attic was sitting between Kyle and I, and I could barely hear what Daniel was saying a lot of the time. <laughs> and that—that that was another nice thing about the uh, about that cocktail hour and dinner. You at least got to talk to some of these other bloggers that you know of online, but you don't really talk in person all the time. So that was nice. Like I had never met Daniel before, so I got to talk to him. Yeah, that's uh, that's part of the thing that I like about these uh the set visit type things and like comic-con and stuff like that is uh, it's a chance to see people that you uh, only get to see once or twice a year or something like that or to meet new people uh, from you know like you said from various other tv bloggers or or whatnot and so the dinner the night before was uh was fun they sci-fi does a really good job with these uh these set visit set tour things that they've uh, what they call their digital press tour the last few years of providing you know access to the talent in a in a more informal way than uh, you know than like a panel of interviews or roundtable interviews or or stuff like that and so those are always a lot of fun and then the next day on Monday we all got up super early. Uh, to head out onto the set visits, the first one out was uh, Defiance, and we were running late from the get-go. I, I love that they have these – they always have these things like just planned out by the minute, like here's what's happening, and then we're moving to this and then that. And we started out by leaving about 15 minutes late, which got us to the Defiance set for breakfast uh, just in time to – everybody to get their food and sit down at the table for them to tell us that the tours of the set was going to start in eight minutes. So that was, that was the way my, uh, uh, Kyle was uh, lucky enough to get in line early. 
So he oh, as, soon, as soon as we got there, I jumped in the breakfast line. I wasn't going to delay. So, so didn't I. So you didn't have to wolf down his food uh, to uh, before the the set visits uh, before the visiting the set uh, went, and so uh, we'll start with uh, you, uh, Melissa. What did you think of the Defiant set? Up until this point, I think the most uh, impressive set I've ever been on was the Copper set. I think Defiance kind of knocked that out of the water. Just how elaborate is the the amount of detail, all the different buildings. Like, they've basically created an entire city um, in this huge area, like in the east end of Toronto. And it's, I mean, the, the amount of detail. Um, the, one, the one area that I really, really loved was uh, what they're referring to as the the need want, which is kind of like a brothel slash bar. Um, and the bar itself kind of looks like a treehouse type bar. And the exterior of it is really nice too. Like they, it's a fully functioning building almost with a, with an exterior and uh, all the inside part is really neat. Uh, there's even a boudoir area. The, the woman who's the, um, the proprietor of the, of the brothel that's like her her room um i i loved that i also love that because i guess defiance was st louis uh the actual town um and the st louis arch is still there and they have a pirate radio station in it and that was another part that i really really thought was neat but i i was so impressed with just the scale of it and the amount of detail and how much has gone into it. And just based on seeing the set, I'm excited to see the show. Yeah. What about you, Kyle? Yeah, the same here. I, definitely seeing the set makes me so excited to see the show. One thing that, that I found interesting is, well, everything seems like it, everything seems so big and so small at the same time because you have all of these interiors. You might have the interior for one one house or something, and then you walk through the door. It's actually another interior for a completely different building. So you're just getting these small pieces of rooms, but you can tell like they have it all laid out so they can get all kinds of different shots by – and they just barely have to move the camera and you're in a whole nother room. And like, we might enter the need want from one door. Like we just entered from outside and then the actual need want building itself is in a completely different building, the interior of that, that building. So, I mean, everything's all spread out and like, even like the storefronts were one next to the other, next to the other, but they were telling us like that they would go back and add in these digital effects later to make things seem tall buildings seem taller or add space between buildings but everything is is all right next to each other as you're walking down the uh main dirt road of of defiance yeah for uh for those of you out there that aren't exactly sure defiance is a new show that's coming to sci-fi in april uh it's uh you know another post-apocalyptic uh type of uh sci-fi drama but this one the, the basic setup of it is that there was some alien uh, cultures coming uh, to take over Earth and to terraform it into a planet that would work for them, but uh, things didn't go as planned as uh, as things tend tend to do in these types of shows. And what ends up happening is the terraforming doesn't go the way they expected. Uh, things ships start uh, you know you know the humans fight back. Uh, all these types of things happen, and it ends up 
terraforming the planet into something that's not quite what they wanted, but it's not quite Earth any longer. And uh, there was, you know, plenty of battles and wars, but this is a little bit like revolution in that it takes place past that. Uh, it's some 30, 35 years later, and now all these different seven alien races and the humans uh, are have are trying to learn to you know live together and for this the story takes place in what used to be st louis and is now called defiance uh but the interesting thing about it is that it's there's also a video game component to it and the video game takes place in san francisco but it takes place in a shared universe at the same time so as the shows start airing events within the show will become events in the game. Uh, and things that happen in the game uh, can affect, that they have them planned out already, uh, will affect what you see later in, the, in the, the TV show, but that you don't necessarily need to both play the game and watch the TV show. You can play the game on its own and it'll be perfectly good. And you can watch the TV show on its own, and hopefully it'll be perfectly good. Uh, but if you like TV and are a gamer, you can get a, a whole new experience uh, by both playing the game and watching uh, the show as it as it goes along. And I think that that's just a completely fascinating idea. <laughs> that I'm very interested to see how that works out. Yeah, one of the things that I found interesting, like part of the part of the tour, they had a one of the special effects or visual effects guys talking, and how they have to work together, the video game people and the TV show people, because say the the TV show people wanted some creature with six legs, but the video game people had certain way they they had to work together to make sure that they could actually build that in real life and make it work in the game as well uh, with having this six leg articulated creature in within the game as well as for the TV show. So it was interesting to see how they have to compromise and, and make sure that they plan ahead between those two groups to make sure everything's going to work together. And the, the game starts out where a couple of characters uh, leave the game and end up as main characters uh, in the show, and uh, one of the things I wanted to know was, as a you know, as somebody that plays the game, uh, is was there any possibility of getting the character you create in the game into the show? And they said not in the not in the first season because everything's sort of planned out. But since when the first season ends, the game continues to live uh, as they're planning out the second season that it might be something that they'll put into the game uh, between a first season and a second season, that there could be something that you could do in the game, you know, complete a bunch of missions or tasks or whatever uh, within the uh, within the game that could win your character a spot in the live-action show, uh, which I thought was actually pretty cool. Another, another thing to uh, bridge the gap between the two. Melissa, what do you think of the aspect of it being both game and TV show? I think it's a really neat idea, especially with so many people who are who are fans of this type of show. Or a lot of them are also gamers, so there is that you know that 
they, they make a good companion to each other. Now, I didn't actually get a chance to try out the games, so, but I saw a couple of people playing it. And um, it just, um, I, I, I kind of like the idea that potentially down the road that if your character ends up being, you know, a really awesome character and completes all these different things that that could, you could potentially see it on TV. Um, I'm glad that they'll both operate independently of each other though, that you don't have to be invested in both that you can pick one or the other. Cause when I first heard about it, all I could think of, and I might be dating myself a bit. I don't know if you guys remember this at all, but back in the eighties, they tried to make this video game that was also a TV show and it was kind of like this laser tag thing, and you had to buy this big expensive kit and then try to shoot your TV. So that's automatically what came <laughs> to my mind when yeah. I heard about it. Do you remember that? Or do, you guys might be too young. <laughs> no, I, 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 well, they had that even for like the Nintendo. They had like the Duck Hunt game and things like that. Where yeah, you well, no, this was this was an actual ABC TV show in the 80s. I can't remember what it was called, um, but you had to go out to your, to like your local toy store, buy this expensive like almost like a laser tag kit. And then you'd walk, you'd tune into the TV show live and there'd be these red dots on the screen that you could shoot at. <laughs> oh, it seems so, like I would remember that. It sounds vaguely familiar to me, but I probably didn't have the uh, the special kit. I only knew one person who had it, and I think it was canceled very quickly. <laughs> but yeah, that that was another thing that I was that I thought of is like, how much will they affect each other in in such a way that will you feel like if you're watching the show that you've missed something if you're not playing the game, or or the other way around, and and while. I think they've really built them both to be an additive experience to the other one. It looks like it was called Captain Power. (laughs) Uh, The wonders of the internet. I feel like Amory. I'm not paying attention. I'm looking up stuff on the internet. (laughs) Someone's going to take her place. But yeah, so finding out more about that, I was definitely interested to see uh, that, that it's definitely an additive experience. So if you're into games, you might get a little bit more out of watching the TV show than somebody that's not. But somebody that's not playing the game will still be able to enjoy and understand what's going on in the TV show. Yeah, I agree. You you mentioned the copper set. I haven't been on the copper set, but I've seen like, you know, the behind the scenes videos and stuff like that of of the copper set. And I always thought, wow, that's a pretty that looks pretty impressive. You know, they built the whole five points area and all these, you know a street of New York and stuff like that. Uh, it was a very impressive looking set. And that's the type of thing that they've done here with defiance is, although it's not indoors, it's all the main set is outside on the, you know, the back lot of the studio. And, you know, they've built like three or four blocks of, of, of stuff where there's, you know, the restaurant and some houses and the, the jail and, the the pawn shop and where people shop for food and all all this stuff very you know very detail oriented in what they've done too especially like you go into like the medical center and you know they're obviously growing stuff and and things for to use as medicine and and uh, I'm always on these sets to see the attention to detail that they go into uh, just in case something gets picked up when they're you know like when they're filming something. 
Yeah, they never know what's going to get seen by the camera, so you got to cover it all. But speaking of how they film stuff, it's very interesting to me in that, like, one of the buildings is, like, where the mayor's office is. But on the set, it's just the it's just the first story facade. Uh, the you know the actual office set is inside the uh, the studio building, but when you see that if they take a long shot down the street of the town, that building is about like three stories tall. But the extra stories are all added in with the digital effects, and uh, same with like putting in a shot of the the arch in the distance and and stuff like that. That uh, the the scale at which they can make the town the town scene so much bigger than even what we saw by adding digital effects and extra levels and stuff like that uh, looks pretty I mean they the little bit that they showed us looks pretty sweet but just thinking of the logistics of keeping track of when you're shooting in this direction if you're shooting above street level that you got to make sure that you're putting in these digital effects into the background and and all that stuff has got to be just quite the uh, the, the big task to keep keep track of yeah plus you've got to keep track of what angle you're filming at because that's it's not going to yeah. be like you're popping on the same top of the building every time you yeah. got to angle it for whatever angle you're shooting at and yeah and if you're moving by it or you know you'd be looking up at it or or however uh yeah from which side of the street you're coming down it or all that stuff it's it and it, it looks really good uh of what they've what they've done with the green screen type stuff where your eye doesn't totally pick it up, you know, that they're walking through uh, a fake set as opposed to a real life set. Yeah. But but like all the, the attention to detail to the mayor's office that we saw walking through the a piece of the arch that they had as a set piece is and and then the, the need want the, the bar and brothel is is quite a spectacular uh, piece of set. And then they had. It has a second level uh, where, you know, people can go upstairs and stuff like that. But then the rooms and stuff like that, they had separate set pieces for being able to film in what one of the rooms would be. And then the doors to it were the facade out on the street. And so they could film people walking into it and then go inside and actually film the scenes uh, that take place inside that. And then go to a whole nother spot to, to film inside of one of the bedrooms at the places i was interested in the show just because i'm interested in those type of shows anyways and then a little bit more interested in it because it was going to be uh to have this game component to it that's not just a game you know it's not just a game with the title of the the thing it actually is going to be taking place in a shared universe and that that aspect made me even more interested in it even though i'm not a gamer but then having walked the streets of Defiance uh, and seeing what they have set up and, you know, walking through the jail and through the medical uh, office and all the set pieces, I'm definitely even more interested now to see uh, what they've got going. But disappointed that it's, <laughs> it doesn't come till April. It's so far away. Not yeah. to mention the cast. Like the show has a pretty impressive cast. Yeah, they they do, with plenty of people that you'll uh, recognize from you know previous things, uh, with you know like uh, Julie Benz and 
and uh, and uh, blanking on her name. Jamie, Jamie Murray. Murray. Yeah, Jamie Murray. Mia Kirshner. There's just a there's just a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of people that you'll have have seen and enjoyed in other things taking place on on this. And then they showed us the some of the costuming of some of the alien races, which was very impressive, especially when you got close up and you were just standing there talking to some of them. It was very – it wasn't like from a distance you're like, oh, that looks pretty cool. But then up close you're like, wow, that's very detailed. And Yeah, and some of it – they said like one woman I was talking to said it only took like an hour and a half or two hours for to get her whole costume. And she was like head to toe uh, as some alien and I guess she plays three different alien characters within the show. And she said it only – she plays basically there's an alien – their race are like the slave race. So they're like a bartender and they take all the jobs that, that no one wants. Um, and so she she gets to play all of the characters of that race in the uh, in the show. Yeah, that was probably one of the most intricate of the stuff that they had because the prosthetics and stuff like that of uh, that they had to put on. Also for the big like gorilla – alien type one too was pretty had a sort of an animatronic you know mouth and stuff like that that uh of of the headgear and stuff that they had to put on there which was but you couldn't tell when <laughs> you were standing right up next to right up next to him what i thought was really cool is the one alien race that um because they also told us about the languages like they've created these three alien languages as well and they brought in the same guy who created Dothraki for Game of Thrones to, you know, create this whole language from scratch. And the one language, um, their alphabet is variations on a hexagon. Like it's a hexagon with like different shadings and lines in it. And that specific alien race, um, the irises of their eyes are actually a hexagon shape. And then if you, I got, I got a chance to look up close at the actual skin, like the, the skin that the one girl was wearing and there's actually the hexagon pattern. So the amount of detail and thought that they've put into everything just brings it to a whole other level. Yeah. They, they had also worked in that hexagon shape into their house. Like you could see some of the buildings in defiance had that, had that shape to it. Cause they were telling us that as each of these aliens came because there's seven races of aliens so all of them have their own way of doing things and they all have their own influence on their own buildings where they live they, they basically scrounge for things and and build up their their dwellings in in defiance and so they they incorporate things from their own their own planet and their own life yeah and i'm just thoroughly fascinated by actually creating three languages both written and spoken oh and not only that he had he had the whole progression of like this is what the language started out as and then he had three different progressions of this is what it looked like after like a hundred years and this is what it looks like after 200 years and like he had the whole progression of of this language in four so basically four different copies of each of these languages which is just insane and then on one of them he showed like the the different characters you know and uh, for for the for the written language you know and how many there were to to create the language and just the idea that i mean to be a linguistics person 
that somehow your job has become you create fake alien languages for TV shows is quite an interesting job to have where they send him the scripts written in English and then of what they want the characters, you know, the alien characters to be saying. And then he translates them into what the language for their race would be. But within that, he does, he's doing stuff where he's mixed some of them, where some of, uh, the lang- like you said, the language has progressed, but now that it they've been on Earth and they've been around humans speaking English and other languages and the other languages that some of them have gotten jumbled into, you know, where they're speaking a, a hybrid language. Or as the some of the characters, the actors talked about how they created the way that they speak some of it, that they some of the characters like one of the characters learned basically learned a lot of English by watching a lot of movies. And so they speak with like uh, a very uh, in a lot of old movies, and so they speak with like a very proper, uh, you know, sort of English from these old uh, old movies and stuff like that, and just all that stuff with the the attention to again uh, the attention to detail for when you're watching the show, they'll be speaking a language that you don't understand, but then you'll see what they're saying in subtitles, you know, like because what they're saying is actually a real language that's been developed and as they create more shows uh he builds out the the vocabulary of the show and the actors are actually kind of learning like a foreign language in some respects that they that after a while they'll be have been immersed in it so much that they could actually converse in it which is to have that have come out of basically nothing you know kind of thing and that he takes the scripts and translates them and gives them both uh, a phonetic pronunciation of how their lines would go and what it would look like in the language and an MP3 of him speaking the lines for them to uh, hear it and all that stuff. So much stuff going into putting the show together that <laughs> just makes me even more excited to finally get, you know, finally get a look at it. They've, you know, they filmed a few episodes so far, but they still haven't finished with all the digital effects and stuff like they have to do. They still don't have the pilot finished yet, even though that they're towards the end of filming the first season, I think. Yeah, I think they said they're on like episode nine or so when we were there. Definitely interesting. And so then uh, we headed back and uh, had lunch on the Defiant set before hopping back on the bus and heading uh, uh, for... uh, South Dakota <laughs> and the warehouse 13. That's uh that's, I, I, I love that. We're in Toronto. We were visiting what is a futuristic St. Louis. And then we moved to what is present day, uh, South Dakota to visit the warehouse 13 set. And, uh, so Kyle, what did you think of, uh, the warehouse 13 set pieces? So for me, it was like a different experience from Defiance because Defiance, we were seeing this set and we hadn't seen the show yet. So when you go to see the Warehouse 13 set, we've been seeing the show for, what, four four years now. So you recognize everything. So they're saying, oh, this is Artie's office. We're like, yeah, yeah, we know this is Artie's office. You don't have to tell us this is Artie's office. But um, so, I mean, that was nice because you, you actually have seen these things before and then you, you, you get to see them up close. And again, all the tremendous detail that's in each of these sets. The the one thing that surprised me the most was when we actually got to the warehouse itself, 
both how big it was and how small it was. Because I was expecting maybe they had like two rows of artifacts, but they have maybe like six, probably like six full rows of artifacts that you could walk down. And then they were telling us um, as we were leaving that they change up these artifacts and move these rows around constantly. So like every week they're they're changing up what artifacts you see on which shelves. So, I mean, it's constantly moving. But I was just expecting maybe like two short little rows that then they just fill in the rest with with CG. But it was much bigger than I thought, but also not the full uh, warehouse of course, they're not building that. I mean, the full warehouse, that was another surprise. Like when you're walking, first walking up to Artie's office, you get to the scaffolding where they normally stand and look out onto the full warehouse, which is basically just a printed background that they that they roll out on um, on bars across the ceiling. Yeah, they they have yeah the, the painted backdrop that has you looking out into the warehouse that they mainly use when they're filming in the office. So if the camera catches out the window, it looks like it's looking out into uh, – but if they actually are filming something out there or uh, – then they put the they, – they, they pull that out of the way and they pull the green screen in and then they put the warehouse in with a digital effect to give you the, the actual background uh, of the, the warehouse – the forever warehouse. And uh, But yeah, the – when you're actually walking some of the aisles that they had, it was a lot – it was kind of a lot more than you thought, and they were very long rows too. Some of them uh, that had also had this backdrop, this same type of backdrop painted at the end of it. That from, but from really far away, it just looked like the warehouse kept going. You know, even from just standing there. Uh, so you know the the sort of optical illusions of it uh, that that they do, but then also seeing. That like when you're in Artie's office, that you're basically one story up, you know, from from the floor of the studio. Uh, but it seems much bigger, you know. Obviously, when they come into uh, Artie's office and out looking out into the warehouse, um, when you're there, what did you uh, think of uh, Warehouse 13, uh, Melissa? I loved the set. It was just a really, really fun vibe. The amount of detail again that goes into that show where. You know, it, it is the type of show that they could green screen a lot of it. That they, they, but the amount of detail that they've put into the artifacts and um, they they describe to us briefly how so, how they've come into some of the artifacts and how you know some of the stuff that they actually source different places and it's on loan to them. But in in a lot of cases, people are like, "Hey, I'm cleaning out my garage. I have this item. Do you think you have a use for it?" So I I just I I really loved that whole aspect like the amount of detail when it comes to the artifacts which are such a big part of the show um is there like they're not phoning it in and um you know being in Arby's office was really neat um the B&B set I thought was really really nice too um just the little detail like the little um like the the garden setting was really really nice nice with like the seating area it was just a really really pretty a pretty um, part of the set. And uh, I thought it was great that they, they had us do like a little, um, like a Q and a with the cast, like right in the middle of like, what is essentially the warehouse. So that was just like a really, really nice added touch. I thought to the day and uh, yeah, it just makes, it makes you watch the show in a completely different, uh, in a completely different light, knowing 
you know, what's kind of going on behind the scenes. And the one guy, and I can't remember his name right now, the, the little Italian guy that's like one of the guys who, the main guys who builds the sets. And he's talking about um, creating all these different things and how quickly he turns it around. Like that guy is like a master carpenter and just getting all that stuff together. It's just, you, you, the stuff that often goes unrecognized. I really love these opportunities because then you get to see, put a face to the people behind the scenes and find out exactly what it takes to, to, to put together this show, like beyond just the actors getting their scripts and learning their lines, um, actually creating this world for us. As we were leaving, there was one guy, I don't know what his job was, but he was he was a guy that was telling us about how they move all these shelves and stuff. And you could tell he was just so proud of working on this show and, and what he does to, to set up that warehouse and, and manage that warehouse. I mean, they definitely love their jobs and, and just have fun with it, Like even down to the people that you don't see on screen. like They love it just as much as, as the actors and the, and the producers. And I really loved that they got to show us that they, they they allowed us to see that one set that was actually one that they were using for a future episode, um, that the one that was in the power station. Um, a lot of times when you're on a set and there's something like that happening, they'll keep you away from it. And I like that they, you know, invited us in and let us take a look at it and kind of get a sneak peek at things. Yeah, that was one of those things that shows you Again, the attention to detail that they go to, but in this case, for a, a set piece that's only going to be used for that one episode, and it's you know it's supposed to be like a sub third undiscovered you know hidden away level underneath a power station, and when you walk in, there's you know big pipes running through it and spider webs everywhere and maps on the wall and all this stuff, and you're just like they built this out in this in this space that they said that they they use the space you know the basic design uh set there and they dress it out differently uh, uh for different things but they have to add you know lots of stuff into these things and you know bookshelves and and all this stuff just for one episode and maybe even only a few scenes within that episode and then it all gets torn down and replaced, you know, the next week with some other something else. That is always impressive to me that how much goes into just creating something for that one episode. And it's one of those things that now I'm excited to, you know, again, I'm excited to see that episode when it comes to to see what it looks like on screen. Uh, in addition to, like Kyle said, being able to walk through the set pieces that you of a show that you like. Uh, you know that uh, that you've seen before is is always interesting uh, to to see how much of all those little things that that they have inside Artie's office. You know, like the the desks and the computers and all the other little alcoves, and you know, you could actually walk up the spiral staircase to the little second level, and you know, it's such a a big physical set piece that's very you know, sturdy because sometimes you think of things being like, okay, well, that that part of it is just fake, you know, like that's just there to look at. But you could actually walk up and down it, and you know, move all around it, and you know, walking through the tubing that's the entrance, you know, from outside into the warehouse, uh, you know. Yet, 
finding out that when you walk through the tubing, you leave Artie's office and you walk through the tubing and you come out the other side, you're 10 feet away from, you know, Lena's B&B, you know, it's uh, that type of stuff, you know, uh, and then walking in through the entrance into that and walking through, uh, you know, the B&B and, and seeing where they, they film, you know, like the, the breakfast scenes or, or, you know, them gathering in the, the main room and stuff like that. It's always fun to see those for something that you have seen on TV. And then now can go, hey, I've been in that room, <laughs> you know, when you're watching it on TV. is always very impressive. And again, uh, it's like beating a dead horse. But the attention to detail, to see some of these things that they've done, uh, both on uh, Defiance and Warehouse 13, you know, they stack right up with some of the other sets that I've been on, you know, like Battlestar Galactica and Eureka and, and Psych and, and a few others that they really go all out these days to create, especially with, you know, when you're filming with HD cameras now, a lot of even more stuff is going to get picked up and be clearer, you know, when they're when they're filming things. And so there has to be even more attention to detail, I think, these days uh, when they're building these things. So anything else about the uh, about the sets or the uh the super delicious potato chip and pretzel cookie that we had while on set of uh of Warehouse 13? I missed out on those. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Uh they had those out front by the coffee stand. And- I I grabbed one cookie, but it was something it wasn't that good. It was like chocolate chip and I, some sort of like hot pepper or something, but it was like a real, it wasn't just pepper flakes. It was like real pieces of like cooked hot pepper, which wasn't very tasty. Yeah. This thing had like potato chips and pretzels and like bacon and, but all in like what would normally be like a chocolate chip cookie dough, you know, but so it it was, uh, yeah, it was quite tasty. They, uh, they definitely fed us well and often throughout the, throughout the set visits after the set visits we had gone back to the hotel and they had a um they had some place where you could try out the defiance game oh yeah that's right they had they had some fancy cocktail there that was the sign was written in one of the alien languages and and so that was yeah they were fed us again at that uh i i tried the game at that i i enjoyed it i i mean i don't i only play a couple different games um it was like a um I guess they were officially calling it an MMO shooter game. It was basically just running around a lot in a big field, shooting at aliens that were coming up from the ground. At least in the uh, the piece that we were that we got to try. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be you know more to the game when it starts up and you get into it. But yeah, if you're into those uh, those types of games, they've it it looks it looks really good. I mean. The, the, I played it. I, I played it for about an hour, so I was uh, <laughs> I was locked in for an hour. Yeah. Then my hands started hurting. Uh, so yeah, they they showed us the uh, you know the the game part of it to to end out the to end out the day, and that was you know basically it was like that was from eight to six. Like they just went through, and uh, you know there was cast Q and As and 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 just you know walking around the the sets and the thing that i like they've they've gotten uh, uh, better at from a previous set visits is they let us take pictures you know in addition like the very first uh, 
sci-fi digital tour, uh, they had like the official photographer, you know, like uh, following the groups around and stuff like that, taking taking pictures. And if you wanted to get a picture, you could be like, dude, could you take a picture of me <laughs> standing in front of this or or what have you? But uh, on these, they let us. Uh, they didn't want us taking any video while we were walking around, but they let us, you know, snap as many photos of stuff uh, as we were walking around. Uh, I think I, I think I snapped some uh, between the two, between my camera and my phone. I think I snapped some three hundred pictures. <laughs> That's it. I, my, mine, I snapped six hundred and forty something <laughs> pictures. <laughs> I still haven't gone through all of my pictures yet. I, I took quite a few as well. Yeah, I posted a few off the phone, you know, to uh, out to Flickr and to Twitter, uh, like on Tuesday while I was having breakfast. Yeah, I saw those. <laughs> and then on Wednesday again later when I, after I'd gotten home. Uh, yeah, I, I posted for, while waiting for my plane at the airport on Tuesday morning. I was competing with you, Jason, posting all the uh, all my photos. Yeah, I was I was sitting a couple blocks away from the hotel at 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 a place called Flo's Diner uh eating breakfast and and posting pictures from the the defiant set visit the day before. Yeah, that was uh I didn't have, you know, since we were in Canada, I didn't have uh access to data on my phone and not everywhere they had Wi-Fi at the warehouse 13 set, but I didn't even hear or see the password thing, but even even if I had, there wasn't really a whole lot of time to actually get logged into it and, you know, st- you know, stop and actually log into it and stuff like that to to get on it. And then any time really to post anything because you were like, OK, you, now we're going to do the Q&A. And, uh, and then the hotel Wi-Fi, for some reason, didn't work uh, that well for me for the way I usually send pictures via email and stuff like that. It wasn't letting me send email out, which was weird. Uh, so I wasn't able to post anything really until the the next couple of days after it was, uh, it was already gone that, uh, my dad saw those on Tuesday and he thought that the, the defiant set visit was Tuesday morning because of the way I was posting <laughs> the stuff that I was, <laughs> the, and I was like, no, that was the, that was the, it was all the day before. The other thing I really, really think we should we should mention, um, I don't know if I've ever been on a set where they had rubber gloves waiting for us if we actually <laughs> wanted to play with some of the props. Yeah, they, they had boxes of the, the, uh, the purple glo- rubber gloves for us to, to, to pick up and wear around the, the Warehouse 13 set so we could be official. And get our hands on some of the artifacts. Yeah, and the the whole thing of that walking through the warehouse and the way that it's set up, it's it still seems big, even though it wasn't that big. You know, you can see how they can just use those aisles and dress them out differently each time to make you think, you know, they go running down one aisle and then turn the corner and then, you know, basically move the camera in the warehouse, making you think that they've gone much farther and they turn the corner and they're going down the other aisle and they're now, you know, in a completely different part of the warehouse dressed out with whatever artifacts, you know, are important to that episode or, you know, that, that they want to have in, you know, what that aisle looks like, you know, in the show, all very impressive. And, uh, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be and another one of those where you can go, well, I've, 
I may have walked down that aisle that they're, you know, <laughs> that they're in. All right. Well, that was uh, our, uh, you know, trip to the uh, sets of uh, Warehouse 13 and Defiance. Uh, Sci-Fi always does a, a really good job with these uh, uh, set visits. Uh, uh, this was like the sixth digital press tour that they've done and the, the third time they've done set visits as part of it. And uh, always a good time and always a good experience. And I think they and they keep getting better at it as as it goes to create a, a better experience for the uh, the digital press they invite to these things. And uh, we'll move on to uh, the prime time segment. And uh, the first show up on uh, our uh, prime time segment today is Revolution, uh, season one, episode five, Soul Train. So we'll start with uh, you, Kyle. What did you? Uh, what do you think of Revolution so far? I've been enjoying it. Uh, I think I'm hoping it gets a little bit better, which I think it is. Uh, at the beginning, it started out a lot as just sword fight after sword fight after sword fight, but I think they're getting better at. at going on more with the mythology and, and what's causing this power outage and how do they get the power back and, and all of that. So they've been building up. Um, it was also nice uh, this past episode, we got to see um, more of the backstory of, I want to call him Gus Fring, uh, Captain Tom. Is that Captain what his name Neville. is? Captain Tom Neville. Yeah. yeah so uh, we got to see more of his backstory and we also got to learn that, um, Jason, that the um, the militia guy was is actually his son, which I kind of guessed as soon as you saw. As soon as the, the backstory kid. included him with a son, yeah. As soon as the key was showing the son how to box against the uh, the punching bag, I said, "I bet that's the kid that that's in the other scene." And sure enough, later on, uh, we get to see that. Uh, the one thing I didn't understand is if they have this this train that runs on steam how do they not have steam based other things like to create power like so i'm hoping that they come up with some reason why that's not possible and explain that um but yeah i mean i'm enjoying at least they're getting now more into this um into this mythology now that um the mother is telling them about the pendants um, I like the scene in this when the Aaron accidentally dropped the pendant and quickly grabbed it back. But you know that Jason saw the pendant, so I'm sure that's going to come back uh, now that he knows because she uh, drew the picture of what they look like. And so he's probably going to recognize that and and start off this whole hunt for the pendants. Yeah, they, they yeah, they set it out that there's 12 of them. So, you, you know, that there <laughs> there's a. Going to be a, a search for these uh, is going to start at at some point. How about you, Melissa? What do you think of uh, Revolution so far? I like it, but I don't love it yet. Um, it's not appointment television for me. I do watch it every week, but I don't watch it live. Um, and to me, that's a mark of a really good show. If I want to watch it live, then it's like it makes the top of my list. But I do like how it's progressing. I do like that things are happening, that they're not just leaving us guessing. Um, yes, every kind of reveal leads to more questions, but I, I think that the pacing of it is really good. I really loved this episode, like going into um, into Neville's backstory and kind of showing how he was more the mild-mannered, you know, insurance guy and what happened to, you know, turn him into kind of the 
the enforcer he is now. I did like that. I I didn't see the reveal of the sun coming until just shortly before it happened. Um, so I, I do like when TV can still surprise me at times and uh, Revolution definitely has that going for it. It's still not at a point where I'm thinking about it a lot. And I kind of want this to be the type of show where an episode ends and I'm online right away trying to look up what some people's theories are and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, I, I understand why they might not be doing that just because there aren't a lot of people who watch TV that way. I am one of those people, though. Um, so it hasn't quite reached a, an oh my gosh level for me. But I am enjoying it for what it is right now. And uh, the pacing is good. The character development has been pretty good um, with with most of the characters. So I, I'm curious to see where it goes next. Um, but it's still not quite in that territory of I want to be talking about it all the time with people. I want to be looking for every potential theory there is out there on it. Yeah, well, I read an article earlier today by Mo Ryan at the Huffington Post where she wrote why she thinks that the show is doing so well. And one of the reasons that she gave is because there's not a lot of these, you know, these weird clues and just keeps expanding that they've kept it to the basic. The power is out. There may be a way to put it back on. That's good enough for now type of thing. And and some of the the other things that they that each each week is so far it's been sort of a similar adventure, with the overall goal being to get her brother back, uh, as the the piece to move the story along. Uh, as of now, that they may move out into uh, some of these other things, but that that having these weird obscure clues and all of this stuff uh, is not what the show is about. And so you can you can watch it. And enjoy the adventure of the week, uh, and there'll be a little bit of this continuing story that they add in. Uh, I like that they had that they showed, uh, you know, uh, the the steam engine, but yet there's still things like you could have a steam, you can have a steam engine that powers the train, but there's no electricity involved, uh, so there's still no way to use that type of, you know, to use like steam power or something like that to create, you know, uh, an electrical current because that stuff doesn't work. Um, but it was, I, I was glad to see that there were other types of things that could still work. Uh, I also thought it was really funny in the, I think it was in that, in this last episode where there was actually a car being pulled by a couple of horses <laughs> as a, as a mode of transportation, which was, I thought was, uh, which was funny instead of just, you know, a basic wagon. Uh, but I think, uh, I think it's true. It's not quite like, God, I got to watch this every week television, but I think that so far they've been able to keep it interesting and keep, you know, keep you coming back each week, uh, without putting too much stuff on, you know, I think that was sort of the downfalls of like flash forward and, and things is that each thing just created more and more and more questions and you never got any answers really. And pretty soon you're just like, ah, there's too much. I don't care. And the rest of the show wasn't, you know, the characters on the show weren't as interesting as say something like lost where even over the course of time lost 
kept expanding out with all this stuff that made you, uh, you know, want to try and find out more about these little clues and things that they were uh, dropping. But, you know, the audience dropped over time with all of that, even though the they had these very interesting characters and interesting storytelling style. And uh, I think staying away from some of that stuff may be a good idea and why the show has remained as popular as it has, you know, five episodes in. Yeah, I think I, I, I agree with you there. I think Lost was an anomaly with its confusing stuff. And I think part of that was they had, like, locked in their last three seasons as a deal ahead of time. So, I mean, it's not like they were in danger of losing people if they made it too complicated. They were already going to do their three two seasons and three because i i know someone that just started watching it and they even skipped over the whole time travel season because they found it way too confusing and and complex so i think yeah keeping it simpler does help people like people don't it's like it's 10 o'clock at night people don't want to start trying to figure out some huge mystery they just want to relax and watch tv but simpler but without being boring you know or without just you know losing all you know anything i mean there still is there still is you know questions out there about what's going on and you know what happened and stuff like that but they're they're sort of big questions and out there not a bunch of little teeny things uh but they've but they've given you you know already given you some things like there's 12 pendants and if they're all together there's the possibility that they could you know restart things and uh and so you know they keep giving you some answers to to some of these things even though there's still like what happened is still out there yeah but it's it's 12 pendants all the same thing not 12 individual mini little things that we have to go and and figure out before we can get this power back on. So I mean, it, it, they they can still make it a little complex, but not overly complex. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, I don't necessarily mean that I need it to be, you know, a lost level of you know detail and confusing. What my thing is is mostly that I'm not thinking about the episode when it's over, and I kind of like that in a TV show, especially a TV show like this one. It it I mean. Yeah, there are some questions, but they're just not drawing me in as much as I'd like them to be at this point. Well, I think they've I think they've found the so far have mostly found the right mix of of creating you know sort of this base level of show uh that could get better, you know, and they could do other things in future episodes and they continue to like set the set the table for uh, potentially doing other things in the in the future, but they're not they're not setting up a, a a a tons of little things and stuff like that. The little things are this week we run into this guy with a bunch of dogs as we're trying to you know find my you know find my brother, uh, you know, and that ends up showing the dangers of the world that they're now living in, and then the next week you know they're like. Oh, we've we've caught up with my brother, but he's about to be put on this train, and uh, it keeps giving you. I think it keeps giving you enough. It may not have that. It definitely doesn't have that. Uh, at the end of each episode, it leaves you off where there's something huge that happened that you're just like, "What does that mean?" Totally, but it still has. 
he still has little reveals at the end of each episode and stuff like that that are are enough I think that have hooked people uh, that they may not be discussing it a lot throughout the week, but it leaves them still wanting to see the next episode. But I think that's enough about Revolution. We'd like to hear from you out there, though. If you're watching Revolution, what do you think about the show? You know, uh, leave us uh, comments or voicemails uh, at the at the website. Uh, we'd like to hear your thoughts on uh, on on these shows. Uh, the next show on the list is Arrow, season one, episode two, Honor Thy Father. And uh, we'll start with you You this go around. Melissa, what are you thinking of Arrow so far? I'm loving it. I think it's just the perfect mix of um, action and story and interesting characters and pretty people and superheroes, like all rolled into one. I like the darker tone that they've kind of gone with. I, I think that's really working in its favor. I mean, it's not quite as intense as The Dark Knight or, or a movie like along those lines, but I do like that they went with a more dark and not a cartoony, over-the-top version. Um, I really like the way that they're revealing what happened to Oliver on the island. I, I, I really I really like that, how it starts, you know, kind of in the present, and then he looks we kind of get a glimpse back into how he became what he is now. Um, the rivals that he's faced so far are, are, are have been pretty cool. Um, China White was fantastic, and Kelly, who is just, I don't think they could have cast that role better, and I'm really looking forward to the upcoming villains that, that he's going to be facing as well. Uh, I like the mother character and how she's playing the role in this whole story and what's happened up to this point. And I really, really like his sister. And that was a character at first that I was unsure of. But I do like kind of how she's, you know, telling him, well, all this time there's the one scene in the graveyard where there's the headstones for him and his father and how she used to go and talk to it. And now all of a sudden he's alive. I just like, you know, the kind of little insight that she's bringing into the story as to how things were while he was gone. Um, I also like that he kind of doesn't have the ambition or anything like that to, you know, take over his father's company and, and stuff like that. So um, I think they're doing a fantastic job so far. I'm enjoying it. It's actually one of those shows where the, the episode is over and I am already counting down until the next one. So, um, yeah, I hope it continues along this line and super happy that they've got a full season. And what about you, Kyle? Uh, so, so I think I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum for this show. Um, I actually hadn't even watched the second episode until I knew we were going to do this podcast, and so I watched it. Uh, I didn't really care for the first episode when I saw it at Comic-Con, um, so I, I rewatched it. It wasn't as bad as I remembered, and then the second episode, I, I think the thing that I don't really care for is how comic booky it is even though i know it's it's based off a comic book like even in this past episode they had that white-haired woman that was attacking and she just seemed like something straight out of like a comic book villain um like because she is well yeah (laughs) i don't know i i just it's just something that i don't know i just really haven't I'll I'll give it a few more episodes, but I'm not sure that it's a show that I'm going to stick with. I mean, one thing that I found interesting at the end was um, how you saw there's actually some other Green Arrow guy on the island who attacked him first. So eventually he must take over that 
that personality. So, I mean, that part I find interesting is is figuring out that. But in general, I haven't – I'm not sold on this show yet. Well, I really like the pilot. I've, I've said that before on you know, the CW preview episode that we did and and uh, and other times on the podcast that uh you know I really I really like the pilot but it left me it left me feeling like it needed to be a 2 hour pilot like there needed to be a little bit more to the introduction uh that it was very much it seemed too crammed into you know like 42 43 minutes of uh of actual time for an hour episode and it it left me with the okay where do you get these computer skills and and, and this one you know he's speaking uh you know, multiple, you know, he's speaking other languages and stuff like that. But you definitely can see from the way he was living his life before the island that he wasn't a computer genius and he wasn't into uh, all these other things. Uh, so I was very interested in the way that this second episode ended in that there is somebody else, it, you know, at least one other person on the island where we can learn that he may have learned some of these other things uh, in, you know, the survival skills and fighting skills and, you know, the bow and arrow skills. Some of the things you, you can put together, you know, somebody, they, they learn these things to survive on their, on their own. Uh, but some of his skills are a little, you know, almost too much uh, that you, I was glad to see that they're, they're starting in on a good explanation, you know, that there is an explanation for how we got there. So seeing what happens on the Island is, is of interest to me. And uh, but I like the sort of while it's comic booky, it's more realistic in tone, and that they're not going uh, the you know the superpower uh, route. Uh, that even the the villains and things that he's going to have to come up against are just other people that are really skilled at things. In addition to just the the various bad guys that are running Starling City. Uh, that he's trying to take down from what his father uh, told him about uh, what's going on in the town and who's who's running things and stuff like that. So, uh, and I like these this other storyline of that. What is it that the what is it that the mother and this secret group uh, know or are doing that they're hoping that you know he doesn't know about uh, that they're you know they've been trying to figure out whether he knows uh, by you know kidnapping him in the first episode and. And uh, you know, trying to get him to take over the company in the second episode. I don't know. I I really like the more realistic take uh, that they're going at so far, and I'm definitely interested to see to see more of the show. Uh, it was my third favorite uh, pilot of the new season, and so far with the second episode, nothing's uh, changed uh, changed my feelings towards the uh, towards the show. I'm still very interested to see. Uh, where it's going and and like I said earlier when we mentioned that it got picked up for a full season in the news segment uh, it's nice to see that other people have have found it as well any other thoughts on Arrow not here all right well we'll move on to uh, The Walking Dead Uh, season three episode two sick so uh, Kyle what do you think of uh, The Walking Dead and as the start of season three here. 
this is a show that's not too comic booky, even though, even though it's purely based off the comic book. Uh, I've, I'm really enjoying this season of Walking Dead. I, I've enjoyed the first two seasons, and I think this uh, they've really stepped it up again this season. Um, they've increased the the gore and the uh, the zombie and, count. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I mean, I think this whole story with them finding those those prisoners uh, locked in the in the cafeteria. And and the whole idea that at first they don't know if they should trust him, then the one guy Tomas starts uh, turning on them, and and Rick is is forced to take him out. Um, and so I, and then I mean we, we're seeing an, another interesting side to Rick, where Rick is just becoming like this really like bad guy that just doesn't care anymore or or something i mean he he takes out these guys he makes the other guy um run into that open field with all the other zombies um even to his wife like he just like she gives this heartfelt apology and everything and he just like pats her on the back and and walks away um so i mean it'll be interesting to see what happens there and then also the the son uh i think it'll be interesting to see like he's trying to be more more independent he goes off and and gets the stuff from the infirmary but then he just gets yelled at for going off on his own so i mean it'll be interesting to see how how this group uh stays together it seems like they're they're both tighter but also people have their individual um bonds that are falling apart so it'll be interesting to see that um i i like the setting of the the jail but to me it seems I would rather be in the in a farm. The the jail itself seems so creepy and like being locked in this cement cage in there. Um I guess you're safe, but it also to me would feel so uncomfortable. Well it was like the one guy is like, I ain't sleeping in no cell. <laughs> He's like, I'll 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 sleep up here. How about you, Melissa? Uh, this season has definitely been action-packed so far. Um, Rick is off the rails. He is just, I mean, yeah, it's kind of necessary, but in a lot of ways, um, and I don't know if this is just me, but I find that he's almost become like Shane was, that he, you know, he he'll sacrifice a guy like to, the jail yard full of zombies, you know, for the greater good kind of thing, or, you know, just he's, he's a lot more ruthless in, in how he's doing things. And he's really kind of taken on this leadership role and, you know, kind of being at the head of this group um, and doing whatever it is necessary to ensure their survival. Um, but I can't help but see him kind of becoming what he didn't like about Shane. The Lori pregnancy, eh. I'm kind of curious to see what will happen with, you know, a birth during the zombie apocalypse. Um, Carl's character has actually been really interesting because, you know, he's growing up amid all, amidst all of this. And, you know, just the way he's trying to, his mom's still trying to keep him a kid. And he's like, well, I have to be more than just a kid. Um, and his character who I've kind of found annoying in the past in, in a lot of cases, I, I like where it's going now and I'm curious to see what's going to happen next. I was so, I couldn't believe my reaction to, to what happened with Herschel 
And I was scared up until like the last few minutes of the episode that all of a sudden he was going to turn around and try to bite someone's face off. Um, I never realized. Same here. I, I never realized I cared that much about Herschel until this happened to him. And then all of a sudden I'm like, no, not Herschel. You know, like I was just, I was distraught over it. And I, I kind of like the how we're learning about Michonne in just very little and very little bursts here and there. Um, but yeah, so far this season, and I mean, I liked season two. I think I'm in the minority for the most part. I don't mind when stuff is a slow burn. I like when they establish things. Um, to me, it just seems a little more realistic in terms of how events would actually unfold. Um, but I am also, I am enjoying, you know, kind of the more fast-paced action of this season. The unprecedented number of zombie kills have been pretty cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I had no problems I, with season two either. I, I thought it was perfectly fine. I don't know why people thought it was way too slow. But The, the only thing about season two, it didn't bother me that it was slow or that there wasn't a lot of zombie action. It was as the season went along, it felt repetitive. It felt like they kept covering the same ground over and over again in like this debate over how things should be done. It just felt like, you know, to where all of a sudden they're having like this group meeting and you're like, I thought this was settled already. And they're, it seems like they're doing it again. And uh, that was the only thing is, is like if they could have pulled out some different stories within the slower going, because I think that the finale doesn't have that type of impact that it did and doesn't seem as awesome as it did. If, they're blowing away zombies every episode. If they're just always in the midst of all these zombies, then a giant attack of zombies at the end where they're all scrambling to get out from the farm has no impact whatsoever, really. So I think you have to have those slow times uh, to, to be able to make these, make these other things, uh, you know, to make that finale work so well. Um, I'm enjoying the, you know, the second season or the third season here. I'm interested to see more of how they're how they're going to introduce uh, you know the uh, the governor and this other you know sort of town oasis that's been created. I'm I'm interested to find out who it is that is uh, was sort of spying there around the tree there at the end of the, of this episode uh, at the prison. But it's definitely kicked up the uh, for the first couple episodes here the action. Uh, which was the thing that people seem to complain about the most in the second season. Uh, they've uh, definitely, you know, they're stabbing lots of stuff and, uh, and season three lots of stuff. Season three now with more zombie killing action. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, definitely uh, interested to see uh, where where they go go from here. And uh, we'll move on to the the last show on our list, uh, which is. Uh, 666 Park Avenue. Uh, we're, we're up to season uh, season one, episode four, Hero Complex. Uh, so, uh, Melissa, what do you think about 666 Park Ave? I'm actually really enjoying this show. I mean, I don't think it's groundbreaking or, or magnificent television, but it's really fun, you know, kind of Sunday night popcorn TV where I, I kind of like the story and all the little reveals that are happening about the characters. 
Um, one thing that I've always been kind of very fascinated by is the one character, Nona. And I really like that this episode kind of delved into her psychic powers a bit and her story a bit. This is a show where I actually do think about it afterward. And I want to know, you know, do things happen to people because they live in the building or do they end up living in the building because, you know, they're supposed to be there kind of thing. Um, I mean, it's, it's not by any means, you know, award-winning performances or scripts or anything, but it's, it's a lot of fun, I think. And, um, you know, just a, a, a nice escape, uh, of a series. Um, I like the casting. I mean, the cast is, is, is pretty good and some casting choices that I was doubtful of when I first heard about them, I'm actually really kind of digging and the setting is, is beautiful. The building is just fascinating, like to think about and, you know, just being set in New York and all that. But uh, is it something that, you know, I think is going to be like, game changing for tv no but it is pretty entertaining for 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 what they're doing how about you kyle uh this was a show that after i saw the the pilot i was i wasn't really looking forward to it and so i had held off watching it for a while but then i caught up on all the episodes and i just i really enjoyed it i mean the thing i like is how it's not just like I, I thought it was going to be like here's the person of the week who's having who made a deal and it's all going to be wrapped up that week. But I like how they have this ongoing mystery that sort of flows into from episode to episode. So you might see the start of one person's story here, and then they continue for a few weeks. It's not like just the person of the week for that one episode. Uh, like the whole thing with the the woman who writes stuff and it comes true. I thought that was an interesting interesting uh thing and and so i'm i'm hoping that they do more interesting stories like that but also like the overarching thing of this like this uh whatever creature or person that was in this suitcase that clawed its way out i think it's it's good at being both like freaky and scary and also an interesting drama at the same time so i i've really been enjoying it i think it does well at creating the sort of horror atmosphere uh you know with 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 some of the things but in some respects there's almost like too much going on but yet it don't feel like i'm really learning anything even though there's a lot going on um i still feel much the same way as i did after watching the pilot is that i kind of liked it but i felt like it was missing something uh a little more info about what really is going on uh, that they haven't really answered much. They've only it's only really sort of gotten murkier. And and while the that story of her writing the stuff that came true was interesting, it still had stuff like as soon as I got free, the first thing I would have done was write a new story. Like, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, <laughs> like, write yourself out of like yeah. I would have gone looking for the person I sent him after necessarily. I would have just written a new story uh, that that either had that guy dying or, or, or something. I don't, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, tried to stay, you know, tried to stay away from the guy until it would get printed, you know, type of thing. Um, so, you know, it has some things that happen, uh, that, uh, I don't know. It, it's just, uh, not quite 
I don't know. It's not quite enough that that after watching this last episode, I was at the point where, yeah, it's interesting, but I'm not a big like horror fan to begin with. So there's nothing here that you know that's that's really keeping you know is really interesting me uh, to to come back and and watch. And so I'm not really sure how much longer I'm going to keep up with. Uh, I might give it another couple of episodes, but it it's a uh, it's not bad. It's ju- it just may not be for me, uh, but then it's not great either. Um, and so it, it's it's running uh, it's running the risk as being the next thing to drop off uh, the list from the new shows that uh, that arrived uh, this fall. Yeah, for me, I think uh, I have no immediate plans to to drop it. I actually was surprised how much I enjoyed it while I was watching it. Um, so I'll continue to watch until. Uh, Actually, no, I'll just continue to watch. I, it, takes, it takes me forever to drop a show. Um, so, yeah. I can't I'll, do it. I can't do it. it. Believe me, I still haven't deleted Vegas off my DVR, and I have yet to watch the second episode, and I think they're on, like, episode four right now, tonight. Well, now so. that it's been picked up for a season, I that, that's been a show that's been on the list that I like the pilot, uh, and I but it's there's been so many things that it just keeps getting pushed. To, to the back burner to to watch and then it got to the point where I was like well I'll wait to see if it gets picked up before and then, which I don't normally do necessarily I usually watch stuff that I like uh, whether it's in danger of getting cancelled or not just because uh, that's the way I think uh, people should do if you like a show you should just watch it not necessarily uh, you know give up on it uh you know, prematurely and, and wait and hope that it actually, uh, but there was just so many new shows that I was watching along with all the returning shows that, uh, there were a couple things that were getting pushed to the back burner and Vegas is one, but now they got picked up. I'm going to try and catch up with it. Yeah. I have that in Nashville that I, I have yet to watch and I enjoyed the Nashville pilot. I just have way too many shows that I haven't watched them yet. All right. Well, that's, uh, I think that'll wrap up our primetime segment, uh, uh, of the episode and we'll close things out with a few uh, TV on DVD uh, releases uh, these are things uh, coming out uh, well today or uh, next Tuesday the 30th so from the 23rd and the 30th and uh, uh, my picks are uh, Happy Ending Season 2 uh, which uh, comes out uh, today it took maybe a couple episodes into Happy Endings and it just became like one of my favorite shows that uh quite enjoyed the second season and uh you know the the third season starts tonight as as well talk about a a dvd set coming out (laughs) at totally the wrong time Uh, well they did they did release it along with season one like a month ago but you had to buy both of them so if you already had season one you already had season one you're 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 you didn't want to necessarily purchase everything again so and then my other pick is uh just a chuck uh uh, the complete series it's nothing uh real special but uh that they've done basically it's the season this the five season sets just all packaged together but if you haven't uh gotten any of those before uh you might want to check that out and uh Kyle how about you uh speak of that Chuck I'm so glad they did that and didn't add new material as I'm someone that already bought all the separate season sets and I wouldn't want to have to buy it all for one disc of extras 
Uh, but my two picks are, speaking of things that I lost track of time and, and couldn't watch, uh, I picked uh, Lost Girl Season 1 on Blu-ray this week and next week uh, Copper Season 1 on Blu-ray. I mean, both shows I had, I had started to watch, but I just ran out of, uh, I just didn't have time to continue with them. So I, I'm interested in checking those out again on uh, on Blu-ray. And Melissa, your picks? Um, mine would be uh, Lost Girl Season 1 on Blu-ray. I've actually had Season 1 on DVD since uh, the spring, I believe, it was released in Canada. But, uh, it, but it didn't get a Blu-ray release. So I'm definitely planning to pick up the Blu-rays for that one. And uh, Chuck the Complete Series is definitely high on my list because uh, I'm really missing Chuck. I... I started watching the show late. I think I started watching it just before the third season began, and I fell in love with it. I totally fell in love with it. Like, I caught up on the first two seasons leading up to season three, and then watched season three, and then watched the rest of it live, and it's just got a special place in my heart, and uh, uh, I love telling, you know, there's still so many people I know who've never seen it, and I love telling them, you know, why don't you try, why don't you try this show out? And, you know, most of the time they come back to me and say, yeah, you know what? That was a good recommendation. So that one's, that one's very high on my list. All right. That'll, uh, that'll do it for episode 155. Um, as always, you can, uh, find us online at uh, tvtimes3.com, uh, spell it all out. Also, uh, TV times three on both Twitter and Facebook. And, uh, you can, uh, Find our episodes also on Stitcher as well at stitcher.com slash TV. And uh, I'd like to thank you all for uh, listening and to also thank uh, Peggy Kunzelman for joining us on uh, the Facebook page. And thank both, uh, again, uh, both Kyle and Melissa for uh, joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me back. Thank you. It was a blast. And uh, as I mentioned uh, previously, we'll have... uh, uh, links to where you can find them online uh, in the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 155. And uh, to close things out, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And that will do it. We sit glued to the TV set all night and every night. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do. And watch TV and have a couple of brews.